Welcome to the Cracked Pots podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And John 20, uh, quote, Doubting Thomas. Um, as I mentioned in my sermon, Thomas gets a bad rap. I mean, we, we give him this title of Doubting Thomas as though that's somehow different from the other disciples. Yeah. And their doubt and the fact that they were all, before Jesus showed up, shuddered in a room, scared, even though they'd heard already Mary tell them he was resurrected. So while they maybe didn't make the demand, oh, I need to see him, you know, or at least that isn't recorded, it, it, I, I just feel it's not fair to Thomas. So it's, it's interesting. I hate labels, right? Yeah. Especially it, the ones in the the biblical... So, so it's interesting... Well, in general, I hate labels. Well, um, yeah. But... I hate those labels that tell me how many calories the, that bag of chips I just ate is. I hate labels that we put on people, and I hate labels that identify sections of Scripture. So I think just in general, I don't like labels. There you go. But so there's so many, so many instances in Scripture where the label that has been assigned to a text is not accurate and not good. So we had the, the woman at the well, and you know, we label that woman as a tramp, a whore, whatever you want to call her. Not in the actual label in the Bible, but that's what she gets labeled. You know, but then there's all, there's all kinds of different headers in subheadings in Scripture that tell you what text is coming that just often aren't accurate. But it goes back to that, we've talked about this multiple times, going back to deconstructing the Sunday school understanding of readings. And the Sunday school understanding of this reading is that Thomas is a doubter. It's doubting Thomas. And that label has stuck with him as labels often do stick. Um, and it's just... Yeah, it's another instance where uh, there's a label assigned. Um, Thomas is, the, is doubting Thomas, and it's, it's, just, it's not accurate. However, I don't think it's all bad. It's bad for Thomas. It's, it's bad <laughs> okay. for his rep and his street cred. But to have a story in Scripture where there is doubt about what took place and doubt about Jesus and doubt about faith in general, I think is, can be powerful because we all experience it at some point. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's not unreasonable. I mean, Correct. It, it's, you know, again, because it gets this label, it, it's sort of this negative connotation. And yet the, the reality is he's not like doing something that's completely unreasonable and outside the bounds of what we all would do in that situation. Um, somebody comes and tells me that a loved one of mine or a friend, um, I, had a, I had a really good friend of mine die a couple of years ago, um, somebody would have come and told, told me that, hey, guess what? She was up walking around. I would probably You'd not... You'd call BS. Uh, yeah, I would have been like, yeah, no, I don't think so because that's not how the world works. Right. That, that, that's not, that is not our lived experience. That is not something that we see happening. Uh, in any way, shape, or form, and so to doubt it is very rational, and and it, it's not something that I guess I consider a bad thing regarding either Thomas or the disciples that they aren't just a hundred percent on board with this whole resurrection thing. Right. Yeah. I, I again. I. You're right. I get it. So they, and they all did. Yeah. They all, I mean, all the disciples doubted. Yeah. Thomas, like said, Thomas was the one that had the nerve to make a demand. Yeah. Hey, well, let me see. Yeah. yeah. Give me some evidence. Um, oh. 
yeah, uh, the rest of them were just kind of huddled into their, their little room and were, were waiting to be basically ba awaiting the same kind of fate. They were, they were awaiting the same fate as Jesus. And uh, which, as far as they were concerned, still just resulted in death, and that was, that was the end. So when Jesus then appears to them, that moves them out of that despair of, of they're headed the same, you know, if it's one of those, okay, if we're set it, headed the same place, then, yeah, we may die, but hey, look, there's also new life, and we'll be resurrected, et cetera, et cetera, along with Jesus, and that gives them this new hope, this new ability to kind of continue forward into what will become the church, um, right. but they also are going to all face persecution and death, as we have seen in other stories like Stephen, et cetera. It, it's kind of a bumpy road for them. But this is the event that moves them from their despair of, you know, is this how it's always going to end? Whenever we're trying to, to move forward, to make changes, uh, the, the power of the Roman Empire is something that we can't fight because we all going to die. Yep. And this moves them from that despair to say, there is hope you can you can move forward and i i think that that movement from despair to hope is one that we both need but have trouble with still today when we're looking at things that we know need to happen and need to change but we look at the overwhelming systems that are in place and we don't know and and it's and it's scary because again to make some of those changes means we have to change things in our lives and i made mention of that very briefly in in my sermon where i said that you know we we give up on on things changing even though we know things need to change and yet at the same time we're really afraid of that change because if that change occurs that we know needs to happen, that means I'm going to probably have to live my life a very different way, and it's going to be less convenient for me. Yeah. So I'm reading a book currently. It's called Black Fatigue. Um, the Synod is doing a, a book study, um, and it, the, I just got done reading a chapter um, called Then Is Now, um, and it talks about all the ways in which things haven't changed. Like we think, we think we've made all this progress, and in some ways we have, um, but that it breaks down, you know, from a data standpoint, you know, how much we haven't changed. You know, intergenerational wealth, intergenerational wealth transfer, and things like that, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's sad, um, and and things like that do take change. So, I, I think, I I often wonder, because what we don't get in scripture. We don't get a um, reality TV view, an unedited reality TV view of the interaction with the disciples. No, we get a very, very edited right. <laughs> version. Right. So I, I, also, I, I wonder, you know. So let's let's take let's take the gospel stories, just the gospels, and let's move them forward like two thousand years. And I wonder what the accounts look like 
you know, so, so I grew up when, well, early when I was growing up, MTV was music videos. And then MTV became a lot of like reality shows and the show called The Real World. Um, I know you're nodding because like generationally, we're, that's like our... No, I, I remember The Real World. Yeah. And that sort of, that, that really, I think, kind of kicked off this whole um, reality TV phenomenon where, you know, things aren't really scripted, but maybe kind of scripted, and you put some people together knowing there's going to be drama, and then we just sit back and grab yeah, our popcorn. Yeah, our generation's responsible for that fiasco. Yeah, Sorry. and we just sit back with our popcorn and watch, like, these lives implode on screen. And we go, wow, that was really awesome. I can't wait till next week to see how their life further implodes. Yeah, not, maybe perhaps an indictment on our generation. Um, <laughs> but I, I wonder, I often wonder, like, what that reality TV view of the disciples would be. So you have, you know, Peter walking on water. I would love to know what the other disciples sitting in the boat were like, dude, man, don't get out of the water. Yeah, dude, get out of the water. Dude, watch him sink, watch him sink. Um, you know, Doubting Thomas. Dude, you can't, that, like, you can't just ask Jesus those questions. Like, I, like, I wonder what that unedited view looks like. Because, again, Thomas gets the bad rap. So I did something similar, uh, actually, for Advent one year at a different call. Um, we, we did what was called the Real Housewives of Christmas. And, yep. and uh, sort of the Mary and Joseph interaction of what actually happened when Mary went and told Joseph and it was not a pretty scene. And, <laughs> you know, and there's, she's, Mary's with her best friend eating ice cream going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, Joseph doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And, um, so, so I wrote a youth <laughs> performance, um, Bethlehem's Got Talent, um, on my internship uh, for our Christmas program, and it, it was it was it was accurate. Um, <laughs> it was scripturally based, but we took some liberties. So the wise it's men. Called, it's called creative yes, license. Creative license. I, having worked for Disney, believe so, me, we know all about yeah, yeah, yeah. taking creative license with stories. So the wise men's talent was uh, dancing Gangnam Style, which was. At that point, was like one of the things that was going, one of the phenomenons that was going on. Um, Anna May, our you know, our, my daughter was was born December fifth, so we had a ready-made baby Jesus um, that made an appearance in the show, and of course, you know, Mary wins the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I, I I just like I wonder what that what that reality show looks like, um, especially. I mean, I think it'd be really good with Jesus still around. Um, and get the Jesus version of, man, what's wrong with these guys? They still don't get it. Um, but then also, you know, post-resurrection, like that whole, that whole dr dramatic event um, and, and Thomas being, hey, you know, I just, I just wanted to see. You know, show me, show me your hands. Show me the holes. Yeah. And then, but what happens when he does? He Je worships. Jesus, show Jesus shows him the holes and Thomas and me is like, bam, I'm in. Yeah. Like sold, and I, you know, and, and the question, of course, then becomes: uh, How do we, in our everyday lives, what what's the proof we need? What's the what's the thing that convinces us? And that's that where this is all true. And that's where it gets muddy, right? So we have this this book. Um, what's it called? I think it's called the Bible. I think it's called the Bible, and I think that Bible, I think it tells the story of Jesus. 
but yet it's not, it's not proof for so many. Right. Like for so many, it's not proof. And it's almost like scripture isn't good enough. Like, okay, so that's, that's really interesting, but I don't see it. Well, and, well, I don't see it. Well, I don't see it. And part of the problem is you have competing scriptures from the standpoint of, say, yes, we have this thing called the Bible, but, you know, the Hindus have the Vedas and, and um, the Upanishads and, and things like that. And then you've got, uh, you know, the writings of, of Buddha and uh, whatnot. And, I mean, and, you know, Islam, of course, has the Quran. Um, you have these, I guess, competing narratives in our world of, in terms of spirituality, how spirituality and how interacting with the divine gets lived out. And wh what's the proof that yours is the one, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the right one, so to speak. And what's, what is, what is it that you need? And, and, I don't know about you, but I and most of the people I went to seminary with, we all had, at some point in time, some sort of experience of God that was sort of our moment of, oh, wow, this is real. Right. Um, I actually had one of those moments not too long ago <laughs> in terms of something that I, I just kind of was, was praying to God going, I don't know how to handle this situation. I just don't know what to do. And Throw me a bone here. Yeah. And it was, I, I'm not used to getting immediate answers and clear responses. And this one was immediate and clear and was like, oh, Wow. Um, this, no. you know, and, and, and it essentially, it, I don't know that I would say it solved the problem, but it made the problem manageable. Well, and it also, those moments also serve as a, I'm not in this alone. Right. You know, cause a lot of times, you know, those aha moments, those God moments happen in a time of, uh, struggle. Right. And the disciples are struggling here. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, oh my God, Jesus is dead. It's a time of struggle, and they needed that aha moment to pull them back and to, to kind of ground them and reset them and say, okay, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, but, it, but again, it's, it's, it's still hard. So, and I just want to I, I kind of just reiterate the fact that, that the struggle part of it really, at least personally for me, the God moments... The, those moments of where, where God has literally intervened in some way has been in the midst of some sort of struggle, whether it's a personal struggle or it's a little wider struggle or something along those lines, where God has shown up when I have, have said, I, I, need, I need help. Now, the question that has come at me is, well, how do you know that that was Jesus? Or how do you know that that was, you know, and wasn't something else? That's where, so that's where my head went. Yes. So... In Scripture, most of the, in the Gospels, in the Gospels, Jesus is the one doing the acting, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the healings, the the you know, the bringing back to Jesus is doing the healing. So you kind of know where it comes from, right? Well, in a bodily sense, Jesus isn't here. In a bodily sense, I want to say it again. In a bodily sense, 
I don't, I don't need my emails blowing up. In a bodily <laughs> sense, Jesus isn't here. So when those events happen, how we tie them back can be up for interpretation. Oh, well, it's good luck. Oh, well, it's karma. Oh, well, my hard work paid off. Oh, well, you know, whatever. And we ascribe all kinds of things to those good acts. So again, I think I've used this stupid joke before. Um, you know, a guy's driving around the parking lot at Christmas time at the mall looking for a parking space. God, please, 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 you know, give me a parking space. And Boom, guy pulls out, pulls his, oh, never mind, God, I found one. And it's like, how many times do we do that too? We, you know, we pray for something either directly or, or vaguely, and that, that, that wish, that, that prayer comes to fruition, and we, 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 not only do we not take the time to thank God for that, but how many times do we not even recognize it? Yeah. You know, how, how often do we not even recognize how damn blessed we are that we just, we just miss it? Like it just goes right over our head. Well, and, and my response usually to the question of how do you know, you know, that this was Jesus, et cetera. And I'm like, well, given that's who I was <laughs> addressing, <laughs> um, you know, I guess if, if some other spirit deity, whatever, decided to, to show up and, and, and do what I was, I was uh, needing to have done, um, okay. But given that my address was to someone specific, right. that's, that's usually my, my go-to in terms of, uh, well, how do you know that was that? I'm like, well, because that's who I was praying to. That was who, who I was needing help from, and that's who showed up for me. Well, and it, and it reinforces, because I, I know we talked about, about this situation, and it reinforces... You know, this notion that God doesn't act, Jesus doesn't act um, alone. Um, Jesus acts in, in coordination with humanity. Yeah, through other people. Through other people. And sometimes that other, you know, we hope that sometimes that other people is through us. Um, and sometimes that's to us, um, to us or through us. Um, but that's how, that's, how, that's how Jesus is alive in the world today. So, so again, Jesus isn't bodily walking but we, as the body of Christ, are walking about, and then, you know, when we're at our best, we're filled with the Spirit and acting in accordance. And I think we're much more aware of it when it's happening to us as opposed to when it's happening through us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Absolutely. And, and I think we've had... I know I've had this conversation with Christina, um, and we, I think I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation too, just with, you know, it's been a stressful year. Um, it's been a challenging, challenging uh, time to lead a congregation. Uh, we sort of shared that and um, had a drink or two over that uh, um, <laughs> over over the last year. And you know, we've both watched um, you know colleagues disappear from ministry uh, because it has been a really challenging year. Um, we, largely speaking, we've been blessed that you know, while it's been a challenge, we've had we have a, we're, we're blessed with the supportive congregation. Um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't those challenges. A few weeks ago, I was at the grocery store, and I, I had a bad week. I was just, just grouchy and like seriously, like what is the point? Like come on, you know. And again, where's that? You know, 
questioning what God, please give me something, man. Like, I, just give me something. And I go to the grocery store and I run into a family from the church and um, just strike up a conversation. And, and one of our youth, long story short, one of our youth was playing um, church at home. And I never did that as a kid. I didn't I'm just either. I'm going to be honest. I never I did didn't that. either. But um, I've, I've heard a lot of people when I went to seminary, yes. there were a lot of seminary students who said they used to baptize their bunnies yeah. and stuff. So, and like, so sometimes this youth is part of our praise team um, playing the drums. Sometimes this youth is giving communion. And sometimes this youth is doing the prayers. And like it's like, okay, like in some small way, like there's a difference made that there's a kid somewhere that's that's playing church. Now, my, when my my son my son came, well, weren't they specifically? I mean, weren't they specifically playing Pastor Chad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel actually feel bad for the kid for that part. Um, yeah, look that on Pastor Chad. You you do this. Um, yeah, because that's yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> hilarious story. I I like laughed and I, I laughed and cried the whole way from the grocery store. Because um, that's what I do. Because um, Chad's the crier. Yeah, absolutely. So it's you know it's it's funny how you know if if we're in tune and part of it is is can we can we can we clear our heads enough to get out of our way to be in tune to all the ways in which God is at work in the world even even in the midst of you know again we're in Florida so spike in in COVID um, cases you know going up hospitalizations going up everything you know not not trending in a positive direction. You know, can we still take a moment and and find those nuggets where God's at work? Because it, it's society and the media will feed you all the stories that that that'll show you how God is not at work, right? You know, we, we're 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 a society that sensationalized. We we sensationalize all the bad stuff. All the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, and because every it's, like them, a, it's like a train wreck. You you stop and you gawk and you you watch, and yeah. so it's far more interesting than. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I never, I never understood that phenomenon. You know, you're driving down the highway and traffic's backed up, and you get to the point and you realize that the accident's on the other side of the highway. It's like, wait a minute, there's no reason for our traffic to be to be backed up. Yeah. But as people want to look and, and oh, can I see blood? Can I see guts? Is somebody dead? You know, oh my God, the car rolled over, and we have to drive five miles an hour to make sure we get every last, you know, whatever information second we can of, get. Yeah. of whatever because we're kind of wired that way, unfortunately. And then you know. All of our other stuff, uh, our information, kind of gears towards that as well. I wonder. I wonder if we could create a PNN positive news network um, that just doesn't talk about the crap. But you know yeah. what? I, you know what the ratings would be for that? It would not be good. Not good. Nobody yeah. watch it. Nobody watch. You'd well, have a few. You'd have a few. Right, but, um, yeah. but for the most part, yeah, people get really into the the drama and and the garbage and um, all of the. I mean, as part of why we're so divided at this point, um, as well, is just because we focus so much on all the things that are different, as opposed to the things that we really need to be, you know, that bring us together. And when we focus on so much on those differences, we 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 go in different directions. So that whole notion of, you know, what do you need from God, listening to God, that kind of thing. Um, and Thomas having the, the chutzpah 
to, <laughs> to, to actually like say, no, I need proof. I, I, I need to make a demand is I think in Christianity we have gotten away from, well, I can't tell God what I need. And we, we've gotten away from, you know, because it's, it seems like, oh, well, the only thing we do is, is talk to God whenever we need something. And what kind of relationship is that when all we do is ask, 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 ask. Tip, that's not a great way to run a relationship. Nope, it is not. And uh, so one of the things that I did on my sabbatical, um, the main thing I did on my sabbatical because of COVID and everything, it didn't exactly go anywhere, um, <laughs> was I was working on some discipleship videos. And one of the things that I was really focusing on was different methods of Bible study and different methods of prayer. And... It really was um, a centering kind of thing. Now, granted, I didn't actually have to come into work, so that kind of, you know, probably helped me with the centering and getting a little bit more, more spiritually focused. When they're, right, because their lives get cluttered. Yes. Right? I, yes. Mean, I, look, we, I mean, I looked at my calendar for this week, and I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know when I'm getting anything done. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, is, so it is easier when your life is less cluttered. Yeah. Which is why we talk about intentionality all the time. You know, be really intentional and in blocking out time because if you don't block it out, it gets filled with, with other stuff. But the, the experience of actually then doing some of the stuff I was like telling people they should do, uh, <laughs> it kind of helps when you, you actually practice what you preach a little bit. Mm -hmm. And was, was practicing some of these, these prayer methods and things like that. It really was very much putting me back into an alignment with with God and and having those conversations to where I got to that point when there was this situation, I didn't hesitate to to ask and say, you know, I'm just going to sit here and listen. You know, you know what I need. I'm just going to listen, and I need you know, I need to know. And then, boom, there it was. Now I'm not saying it will always happen that rapidly. Um, that instantaneous, you know, within, within minutes, hours, or days, but... Patience is important. It is. It's hard. And, well, you got to remember, it, it, <laughs> you know, the slaves in Egypt took 400 years for God to finally go, okay, I'm going to do something about this. I mean, and he heard and responded, but so, it took a little time. So Garth Brooks' song, um, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Um, now he's talking about, you know, a girl he wanted to date or whatever, and you know, every, every teenage boy can relate to that. Um, please let her say yes. I'm going to ask her to the dance. Please let her say yes. And then she says no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. But, I, 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 mean, but the, the, I mean, the title of the song and the premise of the song is absolutely true. You know, some of the things we pray for really aren't what we need. What we need. And we don't know that at the time. We don't realize that at the time. And quite frankly, we get mad at the time because we don't think it's what we need and it's not what we feel we want. So, And, and probably the hardest is when you're dealing with someone who is terminally ill. Yeah. And, that, and that's the hardest. Where's the healing? Why aren't they getting better? Right. Um, and balancing the reality of, yes, God heals, but at the same time, we all know we have to die at some point. And that reality is a hard one. Um, 
and at this, it's one of those, it's one of those things where we all know that this is the case. We all know we we do have to die. Even Jesus had to die in order to be resurrected, and yet we cling to our loved ones and to our, our life and ourselves because there is that that doubt and that fear of of the unknown, and especially when you lose a loved one, there's the hole they leave in your life yeah. of they're just not here anymore to yeah. do the things with. And okay, sure, I've got faith that one day we'll be reunited, but it doesn't really help me in the here and now in terms of missing them and wanting to be around them. And yeah. it's, it, it, that's, that's a hard... If you're married for 71 years and your husband dies, that does, you don't just fill that hole. No. Yeah, and and your 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 movement from grief to de, um, and despair into to hope and and joy is not going to be immediate. No, <laughs> it's you know it it, it really isn't going to move you um, without the hey here's the resurrected right here three days later. Um, that the disciples got to have with Jesus that, you know, moved them rather quickly from, you know, that place. We don't get that. And so it's a lot harder and it's a bigger struggle. And I, I want to just affirm that for people who are like, well, then why can't I just be like the disciples and be like, oh, okay, a couple of days of grieving and then, whoop, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. And it's because we don't get the same affirmation. Um, our, our faith is, you know, blessed are we who have faith because we don't see. And I really thought that that part of John's gospel is sort of that crux. Again, it's not a, it's not a diss on the disciples. It's not a diss on, um, Thomas or, you know, anybody else who was like, no, I got to see to believe. It's that blessed are you, all of you who I know who, don't get to see it that way. Your experience of it is not as tangible as the disciples' experience of it was. And everybody experiences and reacts and needs to grieve and move through that process differently. Yeah. Um, I think I think faith has faith is helpful in that process, but even no matter how deep your faith is. Even so, not everyone handles it and deals with it the same. Um, and, you know, obviously, with in, in our line of work, we deal with grieving families, um, and there is a significant difference between how um, how people how people engage um, and what that engagement looks like. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it is. And it's it's not just hard. It it's that inability to have that that tangible reality of being able to see, feel, touch. Yeah. And we we have to live on and live in to our faith. And that faith, while, yes, we get affirmations of this, that, you know, or, or the other thing, these things happen, 
And at the same time, discernment is so hard because, as you were saying, just because you're praying for something doesn't mean it's going to happen because it, you, you've seen the movie Bruce Almighty. Yep. Yeah, where all the prayers that come in, he says yes to all of them, and it's a disaster. Uh, that not every, every prayer should be answered in the affirmative. And that's kind of more of, again, where we need to, to align ourselves um, with God's will versus our will. And I think that becomes the real crux of the issue of, well, okay, what if this is me and thinking this is what needs to happen versus um, this is where God is moving me? It would be interesting to keep like a prayer log and say, these are the things that I prayed for. And then see how, see how one, what, what prayers were answered, what prayers were not answered, and then which was right. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Like, so for instance, you know, again, not a personal story, but, you know, please, I, you know, I need a new job. God, please provide a new job. Yeah, thank you for putting the little disclaimer of, of not that, being a personal story. Right. <laughs> and then you get that new job and you're miserable. Um, you know, how, how, many, how many times do we pray for things and then they don't turn out the way we wanted them to, but the outcome is... And there's really, it's really hard to actually look back and track that, right? So that's why, and not to expect anybody well, to actually do a prayer log. And it's such but. a fine line of, okay, was this, <laughs> was this God or was this me pushing something? Yeah. Uh, that whole interpretation thing. You know, we've talked before you know, about our, our human ability to justify things. Yeah. Um, well, I really need that. Well, um, you know, we're really good at, at justifying things and... Um, it's not always... Well, and, and then, best. of course, you have the issue of, so God has shown up and done these kinds of things in my life or whatever. Why is this other person who's really, really struggling and that I want to help and, and that kind of stuff, why is their life such a train wreck? Um, yeah, <laughs> you know... Uh, I, I can look at my life and say, you know, really, yeah, there have been some bad things that have happened and some things that have been tough to get through. But in the grand scheme of things, I've had an easy life. I, I've had a good life. I've always had, a, you know, um, somehow landed on my feet and been able to, I've always been able to put a roof over my head, food on the table, um, you know, the basic necessities. And that is not the case for all people. And... Yeah. So I so I cannot say that nothing bad has happened to me ever. I cannot say So what what I can say is I can look back at the period of my life where I was not um engaged in my faith. Um particularly prior to seminary, like that period um after college, prior to seminary. Um I was not engaged in my faith. And there were, there were times at that point in my life that I can unequivocally say, sucked. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't say, oh, well, since I've gone to seminary and re-engaged my faith and... and Life's hunky-dory. Like, ev everything is great. Faith, unfortunately, doesn't work that way. But what I can tell you is that... Um, 
my, my life is exponentially better well, over, overall. Again, not, not, there's never anything bad that happens and I'm, you know, wake up happy every day um, and things are great every day. But, I, but my life, it, if, we're, if, we're, if we're plotting it on a graph, trend is, tr- has trended in a better direction at the points in my life where I'm engaged in my faith than the points in my life where I'm not engaged in my faith and I don't think that's a coincidence. Now, that's, not, that's also not to say that if you, are not in, if you are not a person of faith, that your life is miserable and will No, and will I mean, suck. no, I've got, I've got some atheist friends or, or whatever who... Um, but also, the way we measure those things is off, right? Yeah. So the way we measure, the way society measures how our, li- how, how our life is, how happy or how successful we are, is often by our bank account, Right, our, our net worth and those sorts of things. Well, or even and, family and right. That kind I was of say stuff. and family things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I have a big happy family. You you have a great life. Well, you know, maybe the family. You know, one of the one of the one of the people in the family is an alcoholic. Another one is depressed, and another one, you know, is a workaholic. And you know, Your perspective kind blah, of blah, becomes blah, blah, everything blah. from the standpoint right. of. You know, right now I'm really, yeah, I, I really wanted kids when I was younger. Um, just didn't happen. Um, got married very late in life, and when I did, it was kind of a train wreck disaster. Um, but yeah, when it, I, so that's a perfect example. Yeah. So at that point, hey, I'm married. It's time to have kids. Please, God, let me have kids. And I, I think you will make the statement. Thank God. I am so glad I did yes. not. Not with that individual. Yes, very glad I did yeah. not have children. And well, but even to thank you, God's wisdom. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you know, God's but, wisdom. But on the flip have... side, on the flip side, where was God's wisdom in not getting into that relationship to be? So and I, I, I think I pushed that one. It was. There we go. It was because I wanted a family. Yep. These were the things I wanted, and it was kind of the 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 clock was ticking and whatever, and so I probably ignored a few So when you say that, every time, every time I hear a woman say that, I think of the movie My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> I don't, if you haven't seen that movie, I, I love that movie. I, and, and Marissa Tomei is going, my clock is ticking, and she's like pounding her <laughs> foot on the, tick. stomping her foot on the floor. What did you do? I think I just knocked something down. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. Something crashed. Something crashed in the sanctuary where we record. Um, <laughs> my, my clock, our clock is ticking apparently. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, but like right now in, in this time, in this place, I'm also very thankful I don't have children because I don't have to f- face the decision of whether to send my kids to school right now or not. That's a really fun decision right now, let me tell you. I know it is, and I honestly, I feel for you, because I don't know what I would be doing at the moment. Well, I I mean, the reality is, the decision of what to do is easy. We don't really have a choice. We have to send them back to school. Right. We don't have the option to not... But still, it's stressful, because... It's it's hugely stressful. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, we just, I actually just had a conversation with one of our, one of our preschool families, Um, the, the dad's a doctor. I said, how are things? And he's like, not good. He works at the hospital. He said, not good. Um, I said, man, I said, I'm praying for you guys. And he said, he said, don't pray for me. He said, pray that people wake up and actually like, follow some science and get the vaccine. Yeah. He said, I am working in the ICU. I have not had, he said, we've had a few people um, in the hospital that have been vaccinated. 
I have not had anyone on the vent. We have not had to vent anyone who's been vaccinated. Largely speaking, vaccinated people, if they get sick, fairly mild, fairly mild, and end up okay. It, yeah. Uh, he said, but you know, she said, he said, I, I appreciate your prayers, but man, just pray for, pray for people that you know they 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 get this vaccine and and we can actually get through this, because right now it's just not good. Yeah. And. And and school starts either yesterday or today, depending where you're where you're at. I'm down here in Florida, and you know our kids go back. You have to meet the teacher today, and we know it, we know the policy is. We know what the school policy is. We don't know what the classroom policy is going to be. I guess until we get until we get there today. But it it's um, Christine and I have had a lot of Christine and I have had a lot of conversations, and I feel a little. Yeah, because your kids are, are under 12, so they yeah, cannot Yeah, get they're not vaccinated. able to be vaccinated, uh, yeah. seven and eight, and um, one of them is super social and, <laughs> yeah. and not real good with uh, the Boy distancing thing. She wants to hug everybody and talk to everybody, and that's And just, she doesn't like wearing the mask. And she does not like wearing the mask. Her other daughter doesn't mind the mask and is a little less... Um, she, she's able to kind of stand back and be like, eh. yeah, yeah, she's 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 a little better as far as you know the distancing and things like that, but you get but again even her you get her in a classroom setting with her friends and it's, it's hard it's hard so I well let's face it it's hard for us as adults yeah I, I mean absolutely in in absolutely. being an introvert state being isolated wasn't as difficult I think as it was for extroverts who need the energy of other people around them and that kind of stuff but. Um, you know, I, I was not having a huge problem with it being introverted, but I still missed my friends. I mean, I still missed that ability to, to go out and hang with them and that kind of stuff. To go so, out and have I tacos mean, on Tuesdays. Go out and have tacos on Tuesdays. I mean, it, it, Taco Tuesday is a major, major, you know, part of my social life. <laughs> don't, don't judge me. <laughs> I hey, told you I'm introverted. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all down for tacos. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, the point though, though being is that, so on the one hand, what I have never viewed really as a blessing in any way, shape or form of the not having children, um, you know, it's something I grieved and, and was, was upset about. At the same time, at least in this moment in time, it's sort of a, I am so grateful I don't have to make those decisions. But I think, you know, for parents, they're probably like, you know, I don't regret the fact that I have kids because I have to make this decision. So, I mean, that's not, I think, where, where anybody goes is that they're... they're well, yeah, they're, I am. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that they regret having children. Um, but also... So getting back a little bit to, you know, you're talking about some of the, the, the rough times you went through and you weren't really connected with your faith. Right. Probably the roughest time I ever went through was while I was a pastor. Um, and it was during, during my whole marriage, divorce, et cetera, kind of thing. And it was a, a gut punch, gut wrenching, um, just get up in the mornings and put one foot in front of the other um, kind of situation where I would get up in the mornings and look at myself in the mirror and just be like, I don't even recognize who this person is. And at the same time, it was my faith that really grounded me in terms of not by my 
my faith in terms of everything I believed, but in terms of the people around me. My church community was so necessary in that time period of support and love and, and being able to surround me and kind of keep me Keep that, me going. That was a faith community acting as a faith community should act. Yes. We know that's not always the case. And, and we know that that's not always the case. Because I was so scared yeah. when, you know, you're a pastor. Getting divorced is not usually well, looked upon. And, and there's nothing that's private. Yeah. Right? There's nothing that's private in your life um, as a pastor. So, you know, your marriage... And in this case, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't private anyway because it got played out in a very public way. Sure. But um, I was was terrified. I thought I was going to have to resign. I really did. I was like, this is is not going to go well. I'm not going to be able to stay in this call. Well, and and that's... Sadly, that's not a irrational fear. Yeah. I was like, as soon as they know, I, I... and, you know, I'm the one who filed and all of this, that it's, it's going to come back. And it just, it was. That's not how it played out? I, I, I sent a letter to the congregation because I was like, I got to get ahead of this. You know, they can't hear about this some yep. other way. I've got to, you know, face it head on. And after that letter went out about a day or two later, I get a phone call. And this, this woman from my congregation who I didn't know this, you know, about her. And and the weird part about that whole experience was that it opened up other avenues of ministry in terms of, I found out a lot about other people, especially women in my congregation who were living with things that they just didn't bother to share most of the time. Right. And so I, I got to know them at a much deeper level and found things out. But anyway, this woman calls me and she goes, um, I, you know, I got your letter. I just want you to know you will get through this. You will be okay. And I was like, well, thank you. At a time when you really don't feel like it's going to be okay. Right. My divorce was not during, while I was leading the congregation, but you have that moment where you feel like... It's it's, not going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. And even in a situation where you know that divorce is what needs to happen, you still have that doubt. Is it going to be okay? You have that doubt. Yep. And there, there isn't a lot of proof unless someone can come to you and say, it'll be okay. Yeah, and that was, that was, you know, that was gospel to me. Uh, that that, that was the show me the marks on your, on yep. your, on your, on your hands. And, and, her, and she goes in and she goes, you know, she goes, my pastor one time showed up on my doorstep with a lawyer and said, we're getting you out of this. And I, and I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and at, at that moment, I kind of just burst into tears. And I, I said, I, I, I know. But at the same time, I said, I, I don't know that you, you f- fully understand because I did not go into any of this in the letter. I said, he's sitting in federal prison at the moment. Yeah. And she just went, that happens. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. <laughs> I like not, she wasn't even phased by that. By what is your story, lady? Exactly. I was like, okay, I need to get to know you a little better because, <laughs> oh my goodness, I had no idea um, that this was a part of your, your, your past, your story, et cetera, of, of who you are. 
And so it opened up all those kinds of doors. And actually, while I was continued to be there, it, it even started a support group that was a really then became a very close-knit group of, of women who were going through very similar kinds of things. And um, we all stay into contact to this day because once I left, the group kind of, you know, it fell apart because we didn't really have the person putting it together anymore. Right. But we still stay in contact. We still talk to one another. Um, so you, you make those, those kinds of connections um, in, in your faith community. And it is a faith community, I think, you know, that God works through anybody. He, he can use random strangers. He's used random strangers with me um, for certain things. But when you need that ongoing kind of support, a faith community is so important. And I know a lot of people... There's a lot of things to be disillusioned about with the church. There really are a lot of things to, to knock on and be upset about and be disillusioned by. And, and we've earned those, And we absolutely have. And at the same time, I have also experienced the good side, the side that has been the church being the church. And, and when you are, are in that despair when you're in that that grief and you're in that that terrible place that your church community can be that thing that really gets you through it and lifts you up and gives you the hope um so again it's that um not necessarily i, I don't think thomas had that because the disciples weren't weren't there yet either themselves they were still in the, the the grief and they're all part of that and they don't have the hope Jesus had to come in and be the here here is the hope I can give you and from that point forward Jesus has been working through the church and has been working through the people and that is where the hope that is where the move comes from going from the despair to the hope is they show they show the the, the nails of, of, look, I've been there too. I think, I think what we talked, you mentioned a, a minute ago about the church getting a bad rap. I think, I think one of the other things the church is bad at is publicity. So, and, and, and part of that is, it, that's not a knock. Um, you know, there's a humble nature to, to a lot of church folk. Um, I, I can think of numerous stories of people doing things under the radar to help either the community or someone in need that doesn't necessarily get publicized, but for that person on the receiving end, that I mean, that is the church being the church. Um, and and I, so I don't want to discount those things. There's, there's things that the church corporately, I think, can do better. Um, and I think that there's things that the church corporately can maybe publicize better. I also think that um, there are things that the church individually does really well not to say that we don't have our flaws, because we do. Um, but a lot of other things don't get recognized either, which I think is also a challenge. Right, because um, the, the church does do good work in absolutely. the world. And I, I think we forget that sometimes, that there are so many things that the church has spearheaded, started, continues to do in order yeah. to, to support people in need that um, just kind of gets overlooked. Yep, but absolutely. Anyway. All right, well, I think our time is about up. So. Yeah, Doubting Thomas.
Yes, that is Doubting Thomas. And um, I'm not sure what is the text for next, next week. Next week is Little Baby Moses. Little Baby Moses. And Moses' oh. mommy. Mo- Moses in the reeds. Yeah, so un- when your children's dreams unravel. Ooh. Is the unravel theme? Ooh, that's a hard. Or, or one. your dreams for your children unravel? Ouch. Yeah. So this will be an interesting one to delve into as a parent. Um, yeah, I've started to kind of process and and look through it without dig. So I started doing the external processing without digging into the text yet, um, because when your dreams for your children unravel, piece like that's kind of easy. Like I, I can think of a couple different things. You know, just as as a child. And you know, knowing how my parents what they wanted what for they you. wanted for me, um, it wasn't this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're both in that boat. And <laughs> and and now, as a parent, one with you know my son being twenty two, and that reality that well, it doesn't matter. I don't really get a vote anymore. Um, and then with with you know an eight and a seven year old. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm. I'm I'm cautiously excited to uh, to dig into the text this week. All right. So. That's what we will talk about next week. So, you got it. So thanks for listening and for joining us as we kind of rambled our way through uh, Doubting Thomas. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.